Welcome to the Lady Bamf Power Hour, where the women are middle-aged and the hair is real. How are you doing, Lauren? Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. We've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm glad that we're finally sitting down and crying about middle-aged women. I know. This has been in development for a couple months now, and this is now it's happening. I don't know how to handle it. I have a lot of feels. All right. Well, sounds good. Do you want to talk a little bit about why we're doing this? I mean, we haven't really talked about it too much. So, um, hello, internet people of the world. Um, Kathleen and I are huge fans of pop culture, specifically television, books, etc. Mainly television. (laughs) Mainly television. And we decided to make a podcast about the most underappreciated and best part of all television in general, the middle-aged Lady Bamf. So for those of you who don't know, a Bamf is a badass motherfucker. I don't know if you're going to bleep that out no no we're not bleeping that out mature audiences podcast (laughs) so we are here to discuss television and badass ladies who star on tv every week basically we're just going to keep doing what we always do only we're going to record it and hope that people would want to listen and embarrass ourselves in public but you know i hope y'all enjoy yeah well we've got a lot of great i don't know if we they're not really skits right they're like not even sketches, really. I don't know what the word is. We've got some fun games. Um, we enjoy making lists, so you're going to hear a lot of lists tonight. So many lists. Yes. We're OCD um, type A, so exactly. We've lots got some... of lists. And if you run a podcast and you're worried that we're going to infringe on your territory, there's zero chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about this, you know, lots of things happening on this podcast, but it wouldn't be possible without our fake, generous and completely fictional sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Shonda Non, the support group for Shonda Rhimes victims. The podcast is also sponsored by Reggie's Horrible, Terrible Wig Emporium, supplying network TV shows starring Juliana Margulies since 2015. Speaking of network TV shows starring Juliana Margulies, The Good Wife ended this month. Yes, it did. <laughs> and we are all very sad. I'm, I'm glad that I got to go to the Tribeca panel with you and see Juliana and others in the flesh at least, but yeah. I don't, I think they talked the finale up more than it was really worth. I completely agree. I thought the episode that we screened during the panel was pretty great. It was the one that took place mostly in the Canadian airport, for those of you who don't know what happened at that panel, which is probably everybody listening to this right now. And actually, tonight we're going to be talking a lot about uh, TV show finales, what makes them great, what makes them terrible, which ones were uh, our favorites. There was some surprising news this week with the fact that there's going to be a Good Wife spinoff with our beloved uh, savior, Christine Baranski. (laughs) Yes, and that is definitely a major point of conversation as well. And I know Christine's probably going to be a major point of conversation on this podcast moving forward. So if you are not a fan of Christine Baranski, I would warn to turn this off now because we will talk about her a lot. And if you're a fan, 
put on Mama Mia and get jamming. <laughs> Lauren and I like to imagine uh, we play this game called What is Christine Baranski doing right now? And we make up ridiculous things uh, and scenarios that actually are probably true because she's so ridiculously fancy. And before we heard about uh, the spinoff for The Good Wife, we also played another game. We like to play a lot of games. So we imagined what could Christine Baranski do now that she's unemployed, uh, and we made a list of potential jobs for her, seeing as we know a lot about her and what she should do, obviously. So we're going to read the list that we came up with uh, for her. Yeah, we definitely know Christine's skill assets and what she would be really great at post-Diane Lockhart realness. Something we thought of was that she could play a dragon on Game of Thrones because she breathes fire and is just (laughs) incredible. If she has lots of free time, she could also be our best friend. Yes, I support that one. She could totally play Connie Britton's co-worker on The Good Hair, which is the Good Wife spinoff that I'm writing in my mind right now. There are so many people we could cast in that, but they would definitely be the leads. No wig zone. It's a no wig zone. Yes. <laughs> she could definitely coach Meryl Streep on racial sensitivity. Yeah, Meryl, bless Meryl. She needs some racial she sensitivity needs some help, yeah. sometimes. I think... Christine would be down to be Hillary Clinton's running mate for this election cycle. That would be amazing. She could co-host Live with Kelly. Yes, please. Definitely a good fit. Yes, Live with Kelly would be great. But I also think she'd be really good at being our best friend. I I don't know if we've said that already. Definitely be our best friend. Cool. Uh, She could... I was so upset when she wasn't the queen of Ice Nation on the 100. So I decided she could be the queen of Fancy Crew. On the 100. That is a K-R-U. So, you know, we keep up with the 100 language and what Fancy crew. Fancy crew. K-R-U. <laughs> um, I also would support Christine and Meryl potentially joining the cast of Hamilton as Hamilton and Burr. Who would be? Oh, <laughs> man. I feel like just because Meryl's the slightly bigger star, she'd be Hamilton and okay. Christine would be Burr. But Burr has the better role anyway, says right. the... Hamilton fan. Full disclosure, I'm obsessed with Hamilton. So, <laughs> who isn't? So, keeping in the spirit of the good wife, Lauren actually came up with this one. She could open a wig shop and call it Lockhart's of Love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, oh my gosh. I Which would not, you know, I don't know if we can say that since Reggie's Horrible Terrible Wig Emporium is one of our sponsors, so we may have to delete that. <laughs> sure, we're going to get sued for defamation and copyright Sorry, law. Reggie. Sorry, Reggie. I also thought, I found out today about this gala that Christine Bransky is going to, which is, costs like $100,000 for a table. I'm not oh even joking. God. Look it up. It's $100,000 to get a table for this thing. But Christine Bransky could be a gala benefit mom who bakes cookies and sells them for fundraising to raise money for the arts. This is a fantastic list. I think all of these options would probably be better than the spinoff that CBS has planned. I'm incredibly skeptical, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, this this spinoff, I'm very curious to see how this is going to go. They The CBS upfronts were today, so they did announce that The Good Wife spinoff starring Christine Baranski and Kush Jumbo, two incredible lady bands. It's going to follow them around a year after The Good Wife ended, so a year after the slap. 
Uh, yeah, I saw the uh, the headline was time jump, but that I couldn't find what amount of time it was. So it's just a year. It's just a year. So Alicia got the slap across the face, and then <laughs> Christmas happened, and a birthday, and St. Patrick's Day, and Flag Day, and um, now it's back to Diane, and whatever happened with her and Kurt, and what happened with the all-female legal team, and whatever is happening with that. It's supposed to follow... Her and Luca, and apparently her friend, her goddaughters. It's being told from her goddaughter's point of view. That's but, what I was reading. But they haven't cast the god the goddaughter. They have not casted the goddaughter yet. So <laughs> I'm ho- I'm still I'm pushing for Connie Britton, obviously, <laughs> so the good hair can become a reality. Exactly. But it's probably the problem is that people would ship them, and then it would be problematic. <laughs> it would be really problematic. But I feel like I would also ship them. Yeah. But like, think of all of the statement necklaces and just it's the, a problem the hair it yeah it'd be amazing yeah and archie could come back it would be wonderful archie could come back for this that would be the ultimate <laughs> pun intended slap across the face <laughs> oh archie she's actually starring in a pilot right i don't know what the show's about but she's been working on one so hopefully she'll be starring in something soon archie yeah. deserves all of the best since we're so good at making lists, you enjoyed our last list, right? Um, we made another list of potential titles for the spinoff. Personally, I don't think CBS is that great with coming up with show titles. I don't know. You see this more than I do, but a lot of the titles these days just aren't that catchy to me. They're incredibly boring. It's not risky. I was going to say, it takes one name from a previously created show and just adds on, like CSI Los Angeles. CSI New Orleans, CSI Kalamazoo, um, NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS New York. So basically we came up with a list and Lauren, do you want to start us off? You already mentioned uh, your favorite topic. Yes. Number one on our list is the good hair because there's just too much good hair to go around and we can't let that go to waste. I think that's a real winner. Honestly, I, if I saw that title, I would be like, yes, that's my show. Um, we could call it Better Call Lockhart. That's a good one. I like that one. It's a nice play on Better Call Saul. And uh, Christine Bransky's better than Better Call Saul. Sorry, boys. <laughs> um, I also like the idea of the mysteries of Lockhart because she's a very elusive character. Ooh. Or like Miss Fisher's murder mysteries, maybe like Miss Lockhart's murder mysteries. Miss <laughs> Lockhart's lawyer mysteries. I don't know. Yes, I like that. Uh, you can call it How I Met Diane Lockhart. Ooh, that could be like a like a prequel or something. It could be told through the perspective of Luca being like, "This is how I met Diane Lockhart." And then, so you you have you watched The West Wing or no? Remind me. Yes, I've watched The West so Wing. So I created this entire backstory that Diane Lockhart and C.J. Craig were like roommates in graduate school. <laughs> Please give that TV show to me now. And I was literally typing this out on Tumblr. And I was so proud of it. And it was the night. I wasn't watching live. And it was the night that Will Gardner got shot. (laughs) And they completely stole my backstory thunder. I was so proud of it. And then everyone was freaking out. So All right, Will Gardner. (laughs) All right, what else have we got? We've got Welcome Back, Kalinda. So Kalinda-themed show. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, it's always slappy in Chicago. It is always slappy in Chicago. There's been at least two slaps in Chicago over the past seven seasons of television. Um, We also thought of 19 slaps and counting. Or two and a half slaps. 
the big slap theory. Or another favorite of mine, uh, CGI Chicago, since they're so good at CGIing actresses in who, whom Juliana Margulies cannot stand. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorites? Any favorite? Yeah, of these. Of these titles? I do enjoy How I Met Diane Lockhart because I like the idea of there being some sort of origin story there. Yeah, I think I think there's potential there. What Even if you? it were like her as a 30-year-old, Christine Brancy could still play it. I would believe in that story. Did you see Captain America yet? I no, say, I, no, I haven't. CGI, <laughs> man. They made Robert Downey Jr. look 18 again. Hey, so, it's possible. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. I should have warned the internet but this is not a podcast about robert downey jr this is about ladies so <laughs> ladies people always say that taylor swift looks like a young christine baranski i don't totally buy it no maybe i'm just jealous but <laughs> i don't think that's she's true. as tall as no she's taller than christine baranski yeah people always say that on the internet but people say a lot of things on the internet people say a lot of things on the internet take right. that if you take anything from this podcast people say a lot of things on the internet all right, so we had planned on talking about some of the other shows that got canceled. Do do we watch any of the, these shows? <laughs> I do. If people are tuning into this podcast and have not tuned into the internet this past week, it's been kind of a bloodbath in terms of networks canceling their like major TV shows, specifically ABC. So three beloved TV shows that got canceled this week were Nashville, Castle, and Agent Carter. No, I personally watch Agent Carter religiously, and I'm very sad that this was canceled. But um, Castle, I tragically gave up on after probably the fifth season, and Nashville, probably the first season. I don't know, Kathleen, what's your history with any of those? Yeah, so I never watched Castle. I had a lot of friends who were really into it, but I think... I didn't really start hearing about it until there were so many seasons in that I just didn't have it in me to... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Watch that many episodes. Um, I haven't watched Agent Carter. I feel really bad about it. You would like it. And Haley is just a little too young for me. I was talking <laughs> about this with a friend the other day. My cutoff age is like 46 now. So <laughs> I don't know. How old is Tina? Is she 46? Tina Faye just turned 46, 46 today. All right. Well, there you go. That is absolutely my cutoff age. So I'm sorry, Millie uh, Jack. If you are 45, you are not on. you're not in the center of my heart. Wait, how old is Connie Britton? I'm looking this up literally as we talk about this podcast. Because I have no idea. I, need to I don't want to guess she. because I don't want to insult her. But she's been around for a while. She is. She's younger than 46. Actually, just kidding. She's not younger than 46. <laughs> I was like, that is not possible. Sorry, Connie Britton. Okay, so she's in your range of people you admire. Wait, so you're not going to say how old she is? We she's 49. Age. We celebrate age on this we podcast. We do celebrate Lauren. age on this podcast. She's 49 <laughs> and her hair is better than my hair will ever be. Yeah. So the only reason um, I watched, ended up watching Nashville is I wrote a piece last year or the year before, I can't remember, where I watched five different TV shows and counted all the times women said I'm sorry on them, which was an odyssey in itself. <laughs> I but I started watching that. Nashville because I picked it as one of my, the shows. And so I actually got a little bit sucked into it. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a little too soap opera-ish for me, but I know that it's a, a fan favorite and some people just love the drama and I really get that. But I used to live in Nashville, so it feels a little strange to me 
I don't know, because some places are kind of famous now because of the show. And as a Tennessee, and I'm like, well, that's not a big deal. So <laughs> although I, I did love the idea of going home for Christmas or Thanksgiving and running into Connie Britton somewhere. I, I definitely had that on my mind at all times. <laughs> that's a really nice perk. See, that was me with how to get away with murder because that takes place in Philly. Uh-huh. But that for me is pretty much more of a, this definitely does not happen in Philadelphia and people do not have giant bonfires or things <laughs> like that. And Viola Davis is completely wrong, even though she is 100% right. Right, right. And uh, Nashville, like a lot of the bars they go to are supposed to be famous and they're actually just kind of trashy places that people don't actually go to. So yeah, so I never really got into it, but I, I definitely feel sorry for people who were really big fans of the show. Um, one thing I don't really like is the pressure to keep a show alive or keep it going. And I feel like this is kind of a recent development. You know, in back in the day, and back in the day, I mean like five years ago. Yeah. You know, if a show died, it just died, right? There wasn't a streaming site or something else that could buy it or pick it up. And so now I feel like people just get their hopes up and sometimes they're surprised like with the mini project or other things and then sometimes they're just disappointed yeah I mean Netflix and Hulu have been saving so much content and that's never happened before but I totally agree with you I feel like recently you have tv shows that have just been on for like 87 years and they're not canceling well at the end of the day it comes down to are these shows making the network money and it it's a balance between profit versus quality of content and you have shows like Grey's Anatomy and Bones and Castle, which have been on for eons, but you know, like People when when do you reach the point where it's like we should probably put an end to this show? Right. And actually, I it's funny you mentioned that because I actually don't I don't like creating too many Twitter polls because I feel like it gets annoying. But I sent one out the other day and I asked people which was which do you think is worse, having a show canceled or having a show go on for forever. And it was very close, but 53% of the people who voted said that having a show go on forever is the absolute worst. <laughs> and I think probably as a Shonda fan, maybe you can relate to that. I don't know. Do you still yeah. watch Grey's? Yes. I mean, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm like 12 episodes behind on Grey's Anatomy because I figure I'll catch up the summer. But yeah, I mean, this show should have ended before all of the drama happened, before Sandra Olaf, before the drama with Patrick Dempsey happened, before half of the nonsense that happened happened and I mean it's still the number one show on ABC and that's great that it's getting so many viewers but at the same time it's like how long can this show go on how long can you jeopardize these characters stories how many times can Meredith Grey lose a friend or a spouse or a loved one just because (laughs) people don't want to be on this show anymore because it's been on for since 2004 right it's a very long time it is I can only imagine what that finale is going to be like yeah They'll bring, like, all the ghosts of the dead people will, like, come back. and <laughs> That's fine with me because all of my faves died. So right. bring them all back. <laughs> okay. Addis- Addison will come back and be like, what is this nonsense? Exactly. <laughs> I would enjoy Kate Walsh. Yes, she needs a new TV show. But that's another, that's another episode. That's another podcast for another day about <laughs> Kate Walsh and why she deserves everything. Everything. Yes. Um, so she could be on the good hair. She'd be great. She would be. She has amazing hair. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, while we're talking finales and saying goodbye to TV shows, what do you think makes a good finale? Because I know everybody has differing opinions. I know The Good Wife had very stark 
differing opinions on in terms of what people thought of it. And I know other TV shows have felt the same way. So what for you is satisfying? Are you more of a tie everything up in a nice bow type of person or are you a leave it on a cliffhanger and interpret it yourself? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I really like a good mind fuck, but maybe more in books than in television. With television, I'm all about the wrapped up with a bow. I think that, like, that's the purpose of TV. You know, I, I read something that was a critique of The Good Wife, and they were saying, you know, something along the lines of, well, that's interesting what you did, but that's not what TV is supposed to do. Like, don't make it something else that it's not. Like, people have invested in the show. They want to see closure. They want to see people's stories in. And so I definitely lean more towards D. Like, you know, everyone is in weird church heaven, unlost, like, and all the ships are together and everything is great. Ta-da, the end. Like, a lot of people didn't like that, but I personally enjoy that kind of finale. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I am a writer and I judge these shows based on a number of factors. And I enjoy when shows like Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or something like that ends on a note that leaves you kind of sitting there wondering what the fuck just happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like watching the Parks and Rec finale where everything was tied up in a nice little bow and you, in 30 Rock, everything was tied up in a Mm -hmm. nice bow. Um, Parenthood, there's so many shows that just kind of, not necessarily wrapped everything up, but it, it just ended on such a nice note. And I feel like so many TV, I mean, TV shows exist because fans want to watch them and it's doing fans a service by kind of saying like, thank you for watching and I'm going to tie this show up in a way that's, true to the story but also appeases you because you've stuck with us for so long mm-hmm. yeah I was trying to think of an example of a show that kind of ended on a cliffhanger or was ambiguous and I can't really think other than sort of the nothing happened ending on the Sopranos like I can't really think of any examples apparently Maybe you can uh, apparently the family ended on a cliffhanger this weekend but that was canceled so oh, that doesn't really yeah. count And that's the other thing I don't like about – that's what I like about HBO shows or sort of non-network shows where they know how many seasons they're going to have so they can map out the story versus like year to year, how do we end a season knowing whether we're coming back or not? Do we shoot like an alternate ending? What do we do? And I don't really – I don't really enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like a lot of shows that – well, again, these are people and shows that get canceled like – Agent Carter, I, there definitely was a cliffhanger that I'm completely blanking on at the moment, but they also tied <laughs> things up in case they weren't renewed. And I feel like a lot of shows did that. Like the newsroom, because of course I'm a huge Sorkin fan, before season, they got renewed for season three, they wrapped everything up as best they could and still left it kind of hanging yeah. just in case. Because you never know with TV. It's very unpredictable. Yeah. It's it tough. is hard to think of examples when you're do when you're recording yourself live. Like this that is why too. we should have people on and shout questions at them and see if they can answer things. <laughs> Which tell us right now, right now, what season was it? <laughs> Who was the guest star? Yeah, that that'll be fun. Okay, yeah. so if you, off the top of your head, you had to pick your favorite finale or favorite one or two. Um, Does anything stand out? Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people, as controversial as it was, uh, the Lost finale was so satisfying to me because, A, I understood what the writers were doing, and I feel like a lot of people didn't understand it, which was why there was a lot of backlash. Two, I mean, 
I stuck with that show for six seasons and it caused me tremendous anxiety for six seasons and it was just glad to see like can I spoil this it's been six years yeah stop listening now if you've Um, been living in a cave like I'm glad to see like even though these characters technically all died they all came together at the end because they came together at one point in their lives that was so profound and it was nice to see that like all of the ships were together and all of the buddies mm-hmm. and the bro TPs were yeah. back in action and whatever. Right. I think it would definitely be in my top three also. The funny thing is, is that I've only watched it once. Like I Me watched too. it live. There was like a mountain of tissues and then I just never had, like I've watched parts of the show over again, but I've never watched the finale. Me too. Um, I'm trying to think of other shows. Parks and Rec was another one for me that was just so wonderfully executed I just it was so fun and true to their characters and it it truly was wrapped up with a bow and like hand delivered to my apartment Mm -hmm. door just being like here's the Parks and Rec finale like enjoy it cry a little bit or a lot and we'll see you never I was so in denial I only I only watched the last season like a couple of months ago because I just wanted to last as long as possible that I'm glad that I finished it I did that with the 30 rock finale I like could I wasn't home the night it aired and then I just refused to watch the finale for like three weeks because I didn't want it to end yeah well actually I talk a little a bit about this when I was writing my book so I heard heard on NPR one day um that this economist had actually looked at the stock market the day after a series finale and that people actually took, I don't know this economic language, but people took fewer risks um, the day after because everyone's in sort of a national day after funk. Like he looked at literally series finales from the 60s until the present day. And so, you know, even if somebody's not necessarily a fangirl, you know, a show ending is going to impact them emotionally and apparently their port- stock portfolio as well. That's <laughs> Which really I think fascinating. Is interesting. Yeah. So America That's- loves TV. America does love TV. And I just, there's so much of it now that it's crazy that we can consume all of it if we yes. really want to. So and many lots- serious finales to judge the yes. shit out of. And lots of Lady Bamps starring in shows. Except on CBS. Hashtag two female. <laughs> Yeah, so they were denying that they ever said that today, so I don't know if they did or not, but it sure is fun to uh They did them. say that. Am I allowed to judge people right now? Because what's-his-face, um, I can't even think of his name at the moment, but he was like, oh, we have women on our TV shows. There's Madam Secretary and Mom and another <laughs> show with a female lady. He's like, we've got plenty of diversity. And I'm like, yeah, you have some diversity, but yeah. that's that's about it. You could have yeah. more, but, you know. And I was looking at the, the new shows or the freshman shows, they call them, and it seemed like a lot of dudes. Too many dudes on the dance floor. <laughs> uh, getting back to Lady Banffs, because that is our mission. It is um, our mission. So we've had some Banff encounters recently that we wanted to share. I don't have them as regularly as you do because you're in New York and... There, there are lady bands in D.C., but I either don't recognize them or it's mainly a bunch of old white dudes or our celebrities. So Michelle Obama's hidden behind That's true. the White House. She does not, you know, you hear, you hear stories, but I've yet to encounter her. So it's mainly like, oh, yeah, you know, John Boehner said he liked my dog. You know, that's like somebody's celebrity encounter. <laughs> and then there's me who like 
walks, is taking their bag of dirty laundry down the street to the laundromat, and she walks beside, like, Margot Martindale, who is walking her dog, and I'm just like, I am a slob carrying sweaty clothes, and you are... Was uh, there eye contact? No, there was not eye contact for that, because I was too nervous. (laughs) She was literally a foot beside me, and I was just like, I can't do it. I can't, but her dog's cute. I've so been on the Margot train lately. I mean, I I had known her before from other stuff. She's she usually plays like I know she did with Meryl Streep. She usually plays like the sister to somebody famous. But she's such a talented actress. She's and brilliant. She and she's in the first season of Americans a lot, which I'm watching right now, and she's just freaking fantastic. So. You can also ask Bernadette Peters on the show when you run into her at Sephora. <laughs> yes, I do. We could do a Broadway episode. <laughs> oh my god, Broadway episode of Lady Bams. Yeah, uh, starring Bernadette Patty, Peters and Patty. Bernadette. <laughs> yeah, I run All into Bernadette Peters at Sephora Internet, just in case you didn't know. But uh, yeah, we don't shop say there. which Sephora. We don't want to cause a. I'm not going to say which Sephora, but I live in New York, and Bernadette Peters and I go shopping early in the morning on the weekends sometimes, and sometimes I hold her up in line because I'm indecisive in terms of which (laughs) Sephora rewards I want, and she comes into the store with her dogs and buys lots of things, and then there's me, who is oblivious to the fact that she's in the store behind me in line waiting for me to make my purchase. I just can't get over that. Her hair is perfect, also. She could be on the good hair. She could be on the good hair. I like this idea. She could be like a judge on the good hair. I can see that. Could you imagine it like get like a wind machine or something in the courtroom? (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So I also had a Banff encounter recently as well. I went with one of my friends also named Lauren to see Streetcar Named Desire starring Jillian Anderson. I've had a couple situations over the years and Jillian has not been one of them. So she's not like... I don't want to say top shelf because she is a top shelf actress, but she's never either been quite old enough or I've never been obsessed with any of her shows enough to sort of dive in deep, but I've always admired her and she's obviously a very pretty lady as well. So this play got, you know, really good reviews when it was in London and so I was very excited to see it and to see her in person. And I won't say too much about it, but my friend and I are sitting there on the front row and the play's about to start. I've already peed like five times in preparation because <laughs> that is literally my worst fear is that I'll have to go to the bathroom and then I'll be like, they don't let you back in until intermission and I'll miss like a lady vamp. So I have to use the restroom a lot. Maybe that's too much information, but I was all ready to go. And, you know, the lights dimmed. Part of the cast is coming out on stage and immediately I start catastrophizing, thinking this is going to be fucking understudy night. Like she's not going to be there. Like all the alarms are going off in my head. And and I forget that like her character is not going to be on stage at the beginning of the play. Like she's going to make an entrance. And so I literally, I'm sitting on the front row on the edge right by the exit. And I literally turn my head to the right and there's Jillian Anderson 14 inches from me. I mean, she's above me because I'm sitting, right? So, like, she's there in her blonde wig and her, like, Banff sunglasses. And <laughs> I literally, like, <laughs> the lights are shining down. It was like seeing God, basically. And I, I'm not the kind of person who can, like, walk up to their fave and, like, get a picture with them or talk to them. I've always sort of been more like an admirer from a distance. <laughs> and so I literally take her in for, like, 0.3 seconds. And I just turn my head to the left and I'm like, nope. 
<laughs> like this is not happening. Nope. <laughs> and then she like obviously walks up onto the stage, but it was one of the most I don't want to say pivotal moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> But she was very close to me, which is something that has not happened very often. So she That's was wonderful incredible. in the play. She was just wonderful. But literally standing next to me was, it was too much. I couldn't handle it. So. I feel like that would, I mean, I'm not a huge Jillian Anderson fan either. I respect her. I'm a Tumblr folk. So I know how much the internet loves right. her. But, oh my God, I would probably die just as much as you did. It was too much. Yeah. And it's like if maybe it had just been her in person, but like her like preparing to perform, just like waiting to enter. And she's, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm there. I'm sharing this moment with her. It was too much. So that's amazing. Maybe we can have a segment called Banff Encounters in the future where we randomly track down people, you know, run into Bransky on the street and talk about it. So. Or like when she's sitting in the lake rehearsing the lines. <laughs> you know. We, we wouldn't be hiding in the bushes at all. Christine Voransky has a very lavish life, according to <laughs> Kathleen and I. What do you think she's doing right now? Not to what put you mean? on the spot. Nine o'clock on a Wednesday. She's definitely drinking a martini. Um, <laughs> location. Um, Upper East Side. At a dinner, probably with someone discussing the fact that she that it's gone public about the Good Wife spinoff. Yeah, and she's just wearing sunglasses for no reason. She's wearing sunglasses <laughs> at nine o'clock at night because the sun never sets on a badass. <laughs> Trademark like one of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so each week we want to give a salute to a dead fictional woman because there are so many of them on television these days. So uh, tonight we'd like to dedicate our in-memoriam segment to Monty's mom, who is the absolute worst. For those of you who don't know who Monty's mom is, because that's Vegas shit, um, Monty and his mom are characters on the 100. Monty is this cute little cinnamon roll to fear for this world, and his mom is just the worst. She's the worst. She, like, aligns with, like, bad guys, and she's super whiny and needy and emotional, and it's just the worst. And, like, a needy mom who's like, why aren't you siding with me? Why don't you agree with my thoughts? Why aren't you doing this or that? Anyway, she got killed off on the 100, along with, like, 80 billion other characters this season. (laughs) But we're specifically doing our in-memoriam and dedicating it to Monty's mom because she's the absolute fucking worst. <laughs> and she is a dead fictional woman, so she we couldn't is. really think of anyone else. So congratulations, Monty's mom. We're honoring you tonight. Well, Kate Beckett was supposed to die, and we would have dedicated <laughs> it to her, but Castle got canceled, and they had an alternate ending. So yeah. enjoy your happy ending, Kate Beckett. You get to sure. live to see another day. I don't know. Nicole Bahari died on Sleepy Hollow, who played the main lady. See, there are so many of them. It's a tragedy. Lexa, Lexa always on the 100 because, again, they've killed everybody off. But she's not over 46. So. Oh, that's true. She's not over 46. <laughs> Sorry, so. Lexa. Sorry, Lexa. You're not fit for this podcast. Yeah, that's it for middle-aged lady bamps who had <laughs> passed on on TV right. recently. Well, now I think uh, we need to take a break because we have a word from our sponsor. Are you suffering from post-traumatic McDreamy disorder? Do you constantly find yourself wondering why the doctors in your local hospital aren't sexy? Have you ever considered having an extramarital affair with the President of the United States? 
Are you afraid to fall in love with anyone out of fear they'll die via getting hit by a bus, gunshot wound, hiccups, cancer, mishap, and surgery, assassination, terror plot, car accident, plane crash, fire, or ferry boat accident? Do you wear white after Labor Day? Is your Google search history filled with different links on how to get away with murder? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, Shandanon might be the answer for you. Shandanon, an anonymous support group for Shonda Rhimes fans who have been victimized by her TGIT storytelling. I tell you what, I bet a lot of our listeners can benefit from Shondanon. They do a lot of good work. <laughs> yes, I could, but I quit Scandal. Sorry, internet. I quit Scandal. I had to. It was, I needed to do it for my health. Yeah. Shondanon. I never started Scandal for my health. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we'd also like to honor um, the BAMs who have birthdays. So a lot of lady BAMs had birthdays last week. Without their existence, uh, we wouldn't have faves or good hair porn. So who are we celebrating this week? We are celebrating Paige Turco, who's from The 100. She plays Abby. She is a total badass. Uh, Her birthday was yesterday, May 17th. And also my girl, Tina Fey. Today is her birthday. Happy 46th birthday. You are now in Kathleen. 46. (laughs) You are part of Kathleen's demographic. She always an exception for Tina. She's always been in my demographic. Always. Do you want to take the next two? Sure. Cher, who knows how old Cher is. She's probably immortal. She is immortal. Her birthday is May 20th. And Jenny, did she go by Jenny? Jenny Goodwin? Jennifer Goodwin, who's probably not 46 either, but I love her and she's amazing. Her birthday is on May 22nd. So that's coming up. Wish her a happy birthday on Twitter, yo. Happy (laughs) birthday. Yeah, and I don't think it's game time. Is it? It's game time. Are are you ready? No. (laughs) Have you been mentally preparing for this all week? I've been mentally preparing for this all week. Do you have a pencil? I feel like this is like a a writing down I don't have a pencil. I'm just going to go for it. That's okay. All right. So I haven't looked up the answer either. So we're both equally unprepared. So we're going to have a couple different games on the podcast and hopefully we can have some of our ridiculous fangirl friends on here as well um, and listeners to that we can sort of test their hair porn knowledge or other things. And speaking of hair porn, one of the ideas that I have was to take the game that everybody loves called, what is it, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yes. Which you basically connect any celebrity to Kevin Bacon within, I guess, five or six, I don't or know. Six. <laughs> or six uh, different roles uh, in movies, TV, whatever. I mean, I guess if they were knew each other in real life, that counts as well. I'm not exactly sure what the rules are. But no offense to Kevin Bacon. I thought we could make it a little bit better for the Lady Bamp Power Hour and turn it into six degrees of Connie Britton's hair. So every episode, we will randomly choose or not randomly, we'll come up with a celebrity and then whoever's playing the game will have to connect that celebrity to Connie Britton's hair. And so Lauren is going to play tonight because she's graciously offered to take the plunge. And because s- I have no shame. And put her celebrity knowledge, uh, or I guess her IMDb knowledge up to the test. And full disclosure, I don't have IMDb up and I'm going to do this blindly on two glasses of wine. So right. this is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, don't drink unless you're 21 in the United States. Yes, we <laughs> no, are over teasing. the age of 21. We are definitely, but we're not 46. We are not All right. 46. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Someday. All right, let's do this. All right, so since this is our inaugural podcast, I thought I would obviously choose one of the greats, so you probably guessed I'm going to ask you to connect Christine Baranski <laughs> to Connie Britton's hair. <laughs> think what you need to think of, and then I'll ask you... 
okay. to, to start thinking. Okay, let me know when I can go. Can I go whenever? Yeah, are you ready? I think I'm ready. I'm impressed. I think I am Can you ready. do it with one degree? No. I probably if, could if I really if, thought about it, but I'm probably just going to bounce from one to one. If the good hair existed, there would be zero degrees in between Connie Britton and Christine Bransky. Do you care which I bounce from in terms of, like, starting with Connie or starting with Christine? Well, it doesn't... It's circular, right? It's circular. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start with Connie. Connie was in This Is Where I Leave You with Tina Fey. Hey, Tina, what up? Who was in... Oh, God, I don't know where I'm going <laughs> So far, you have all lady bamps, though. That would that would be like the, a perfect game. Would be if you connected it with all women over the age of forty-six. Oh, I got it! I got it. So Tina Fey was in Mean Girls with Amanda Seyfried, who was in Mamma Mia with Christine Baranski. That's amazing! Boom! Right? Fuck yeah! Can you connect it to Meryl? Is Meryl in this somewhere? Meryl's in Mamma Mia with Christine Baranski. I know that, but has, has Meryl been anything with Tina Fey? No, Meryl. There was. For a while, there was a film in development called, like, Mommy and Me, and uh-huh. it was supposed to be Meryl playing the mom and Tina playing the daughter, and it really? never went anywhere. Okay. Well, that's amazing, though. That's, like, two degrees, Lauren. That's that impressive. Was, that was really impressive. I'm proud of myself right now. <laughs> All right. Good job. If you're listening in and you want to give us a suggestion for Six Degrees of Connie Britton's Hair, please tweet us at Banff Power Hour, or, you know, if you know us in person, just tell us. <laughs> Which is likely if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And, Hi, Mom. Uh, and we will might include it or we might actually have you on the show to test your celebrity knowledge. So yeah. I'm impressed. Being recorded and doing that is tough. The other thing uh, we want to hear from our listeners is BAMF of the Week. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we are going to name a BAMF of the Week, which is basically a lady BAMF on TV or maybe even in real life if something comes along who has really stood out and been a total badass, inspirational lady. She probably has great hair, stars on a TV show. But anybody who's really like stood out as this lady is a badass motherfucker. She gets the BAMF of the Week award and... All that comes with the BAMF of the Week Award is bragging rights and maybe a shout-out on our Twitter. And we're going to have you guys write in BAMF of the Week. So if you know of a fictional character who's over the age of 46... <laughs> that is not a requirement, but it is a suggestion. It's a suggestion. <laughs> it's you a recommendation. Can, you totally write it in, and we will consider it for BAMF of the Week. So, for example... Bamf of the week for us this week might be Christine Baranski because of the slap on The Good Wife. It was the slap heard around the world. It could be Abby Griffin on The 100 for, you know, like dealing with being brainwashed by an evil AI, which is probably very confusing for those of you who don't watch The 100. It could be Kate Beckett for whatever she did in the series finale of Castle. I don't know. could be anything. Just a lady who is a total badass motherfucker. All right, so we'll be curious to see if anyone suggests BAMF of the Week. Chan- mm-hmm. If you submit one, chances are that they might be honored in our next episode. So that's it. Do you have anything? Do we have anything else that needs to be mentioned? I'm trying to remember if we hit all the... Ladies are awesome. They are inspiring and make us better people because we want to be like those lady BAMFs. So. Absolutely, and maybe our next episode will be at a, at a gala with Christine Moransky in a row. So yeah. We I mean, are available for galas. <laughs> we are available for galas if you want to invite us as your dates because I cannot afford $100,000 tables. Alrighty, well, signing off from Lady Bamp Power Hour, I'm Lauren. I'm Kathleen. And we'll see you around. <laughs>